Welcome to the Untold Civil War podcast. Just reminding you that if you love this podcast and want more, we've got a YouTube channel where I'll be posting videos on all sorts of neat, forgotten topics of the Civil War. Of course, you can like our Facebook page and follow us on Instagram in order to be totally up to date with what we have going on. If you'd like to support the show in a greater capacity, you can always download the Gettysburg, a nation divided app with the code untold civil war, no spaces. A link on how to exactly do this will be in the show notes. You can also use the provided link to access Instacart. Using this link will allow you to have your groceries delivered to your doorstep with no hassle. And you'll be supporting the show at no extra cost. Now that I'm finished with the customary call to arms, let's take a look at the behind the scenes of one of the most popular Civil War podcasts available today. Matt Callery has been hosting the Addressing Gettysburg podcast for quite some time now and has thus effectively made Gettysburg accessible to people all over the world. So do a quick mic check, hit record, and let's delve into some untold Civil War. Welcome to another episode of the Untold Civil War podcast. Today, I'm with master Civil War storyteller, Matt Callery of the one and only Addressing <laughs> Gettysburg podcast. He figured out the formula to telling Civil War history, and he's been acing it ever since. Thank you for coming on the podcast. Wow. Jeez. <laughs> no, thank you. Thank you for saying that. And thank you for having me. You've been helping me out a lot <laughs> with uh, my own podcast, so I thank you very much, and I uh, thank you for coming, coming on. Well, I, I love uh, what you do with yours. Unique. And it's different, and I like that because I think podcasting is um, an opportunity for people to be creative and a little artistic and stuff. And it doesn't have to be as simple as, you know, sitting kitchen or sitting in a living room with a couple of microphones and a few beers and just talking. And so there's substance to yours, and that's why I really like it. So that's why I play your promos on my uh, on my show because I think it's pretty good and I want people to listen. And I hope people are listening to it. I mean, I know a lot of people who like it, so I hope that you're getting listeners from the uh, promos I run. Oh, most definitely. Most definitely. Um, I've actually had people come and tell me that, oh, yeah, I heard it on the Addressing Gettysburg you know, promo and came over and I was like, yes, oh, good. you know, awesome. <laughs> good, good, good. So thank you good. for that. I'm glad, I'm glad. Because I think that podcasters, uh, the people who get it wrong are the ones who think that it's a competition and that you have mm -hmm. to badmouth other people that are in the same arena as you. It, it's not um, 1990s shock jock radio. It's a whole new medium. It's on demand. You can share audiences. And, and I think that's a good thing. And so you should be promoting each other and helping each other out with you know, tips if you have them or whatever. So I'm, I'm glad uh, I'm glad it's working for you. Oh, yeah. Thank you. It's It's been great. You know, it's, it's a little nerve wracking when you first get into it, you know, mm -hmm. trying to understand the language of audio and the equipment and what to buy, what not to do. But in yep. my experience, I've been able to bump into a lot of people who have just like yourself reached over and said hey i got you this is what you got to do i'm going to help you out and it's been great so far yep. so and the audio is uh usually the first stumbling block people come across i mean it's simple to record but it's simple to make it sound or it's not simple to make it sound good right you know yep. and there's so you got but, but but a little bit of youtube you know watching or reading a couple of articles on how to record and you've got that taken care of. Yep, absolutely. But let's uh, let's get right into it. So I have got to ask, when did the Civil War bug bite you? I don't remember specifically when, because it just was always something that was a part of my life growing up. Um, I have pictures of me as a baby 
at Manassas. So I've been going to Civil War battlefields since I was born, literally. And I just always had an interest in all things older. Like there's something about the Civil War as a kid on a very superficial level. The, the uniforms, the whole pageantry of the whole thing got me. And the simplicity of the weaponry got me as well. Um, the idea of, by the way, I'm sorry for the cars and stuff going by. I'm sitting on my porch. It's a very nice night and I, I wanted to be outside for this. Um, the, the, you know, just the, the whole thing about it, it, the brutality of it, as I got older and I learned about how brutal it was, that fascinates me even more. To me, it's insane. All, all war is insane. And I'm not, um, I, I would say when I was younger and I didn't, when I didn't know any better, a fan of the glory of war. And, you know, I, I, I bought into that stuff. And I used to love to watch, you know, John Wayne movies and old movies. And there's always this, you know, glorious stuff. And, and it's the furthest thing from it. And so when I started to learn about, you know, just, just what the, the weapons could do to a human body. And then you think of the psychology of everything, you know, marching shoulder to shoulder with boys you grew up with, maybe even a brother or a cousin, and his head gets blown off or a big hole gets ripped in his torso from a solid shot or something. And you continue to walk. And then when that day is over and you've survived, you get up the next day to do it all over again. And not to mention the harsh conditions of camp life and all of that, the disease and all that stuff, that people were able to continue to do it and then survive it all, see it through to the end and survive it all and then go on and live lives. Uh, you know, I think of my grandfather, he was in World War II and he was, I guess you would say maybe lucky, he was a paymaster and he was attached to the headquarters of the regiment. And so he was always behind the lines, but he saw the damage done when they would move forward. He would see the debris and the, the broken bodies all over. And the, I remember him telling me that you never forget the smell of, of decaying human flesh because there's nothing like it. And you'll always recognize it once you've smelled it. Then he went on to have four kids and have a successful career and, you know, have a house and all that stuff and, and, the, and a relatively normal life. And uh, maybe he carried the scars of, of the war and maybe he had horrible nightmares, but it didn't interfere with his life. It didn't interfere with his personal relationships with people. And I always admired him and there's millions of men from all of the wars that we've fought in every country on earth that have been able to do that. And it astounds me because I don't think I would. So I, I'm very curious about things that I can't imagine myself doing. So I gave you a really long answer for a simple question, but, but no, um, that's absolutely. Much it. But how does that transition into doing a podcast on the civil war or should I say making well, the addressing Gettysburg podcast? Well, I've always been more, my nature is a creative person. I like to entertain people. I like to uh, communicate to more than one person. So I always kind of, I liked talk radio growing up. I liked film. I liked music. I dabbled with them all. Unfortunately, to make a living in those, those fields, it's, you know, a lot of hard work, but it's also a lot of knowing the right people and being in the right places at the right time. And I think I just never really was willing to get out of my comfort zone enough to go and play in a band and live in a van and, and you know, share hotel rooms with four or five other guys, live in squalor and all that stuff. I don't think I was willing to do that. I don't ever want to move to California. No offense to California listeners, but I just, it's a, you know, it's a, it's a beautiful state, but it's, it's just wretchedly run. 
fun and I, I don't like <laughs> the people, you know, well, LA, I should say LA, it's like all of California isn't bad, but, but LA, I just, I just don't want anything to do with that. So I, you know, I wasn't willing to do that to, to get into film. I always wanted to kind of do things my own way and uh, you, it's very hard to make it that way. And then, you know, with, with radio, again, I just didn't know how to get into it. And then podcasting came along and I said, well, well, this is how I can satiate that need, you know, just do a podcast. And I, I've been doing it for over 10 years, but this is the first one that's gained any real traction. And I think it's because all those times where I was trying to do in the Howard Stern type thing and, and getting, you know, that out of my system, I was still honing a craft and, and I was learning how to do it, how to produce it, how to record it, how to sweeten the sound, you know, the different um, pieces of equipment that you can get to do it. You know, I mean, there's, there's very simple pieces of equipment that you can use. In fact, I'm recording this now on something called the uh, Rode Pod something or other it's 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 put out by road it's it's a it's a mixing board and a recorder designed for podcasting and it's it's 600 bucks or so it's it's great it's this great little thing it's all digital you know and it and it has it's all built into one it has a lot of stuff built into it but before this came out like i had to go get a mixing board and then i got a compressor and limiter uh on top of that and ran it all through and learned what all these different things do and why you need them and what you should set them at, blah, 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 blah. So I take it seriously because I knew someday I would figure out a way to make either a full living or a partial living off of doing this. But I didn't know what the subject would be. And then I had had, so to answer your question about how addressing Gettysburg came about, I had had a, an idea after I moved away from here in 2010, I wanted to get into filmmaking and, and my friend who was a filmmaker gave me some advice and he said, start in your own backyard, talk about what you know, because that's easy to do with no money. So I said, well, I just came off of five years of running a tour company in a tourist town and it's Gettysburg. And so why not do the history of tourism in Gettysburg? And he, you know that, you know what you should call it is addressing Gettysburg. I said, oh, that's a good idea because, and then, and so the word addressing means a lot of different things or can mean a lot of different things. And in the context of the film, it was the way the various generations since the war addressed the subject of Gettysburg through the, through the tourism. And, and, it, and it's interesting to see how the, you know, the, some, some of the things that they used to have on the battlefield for tourism, we, we think are crazy today. You know, like they had an electric trolley line running all the way down to Devil's Den. And there's all these hotels and gas stations that were literally right on the battlefield. Like there was a Stuckey's right across from the Peach Orchard. And there was a, a motel a little further down from that. And there was a motel up by the Peace Light. And, you know, all this stuff. And, and the whole Steinware Avenue tourist trap section of town is built on battlefields. And, and Colt Park, which is the neighborhood behind Steinware Avenue, all battlefields. Rhodes' division was in that area. So at some point in time, that was all okay. But we, would, we wouldn't do that today. You know, so things changed and everything. But long story short, filmmaking or making that film was hard because they needed to have a budget. You need, there's visual and audio. So you got to get two types of equipment. You've got to get technicians that know how to use it all. And you got to write it. You got to do the research. You got to get people to sit down and talk to you. And to do that from afar is not easy. So that kind of just ended up being a Facebook page that I did nothing with for several years, but it kept getting followers, even though I didn't post anything new. So a friend of mine who I was doing podcasts with, he's like, why don't you, you know, you, you had said that you want to do Addressing Gettysburg as a podcast. 
He's like, why don't you do that now? Like enough with the fart jokes. Like do do addressing Gettysburg as a podcast. And I said, you know what? I think you're right. It's about time I did that. So I went in, I, you know, and I had this built-in audience on Facebook already because I had like, I don't know, six or something hundred followers for doing nothing for eight years. And so I, I kind of built off that. I started the Instagram and I thought a lot. The first thing I did is I decided I'm going to move back here. So I did. And I thought a lot about exactly how I'm going to do it. I didn't want to do it the standard well basically i didn't want to do it the way we do the ask a guides like i wanted that type of a thing to be secondary to something else but what was the something else i didn't know and it went through several different machinations and then finally i think it was like december of 2018 i said you know what i've got to do it ken burns style because that's what'll set it apart from all other their history podcasts and, and not and it's not that i shouldn't say that because there are other history podcasts that utilize music and sound effects but i for years would fall asleep to the ken burns film because of the, the sounds are soothing to me the uh the uh the narrator's voice david mccullough's voice i think it's just it's like having your old grandpa read you a bedtime story like it's just very soothing yeah and so subliminally i just picked up the the art of how to do that the way he weaves in sound effects and when he uses the same sound effects over and over again for there's certain points where he uses the sound of distant artillery fire but he's not talking about artillery fire and so i call that the backdrop of war so i kind of adopted the same thing it's like it's basically saying the way i use it it's it's saying i'm taking a 30,000 foot view of this whole thing when i when i do that so you're just hearing the distant artillery and and like wind whistling and all that stuff then it's like well you know what i've got to write these scripts i have to script it i have to do it right if i'm going to do it i'm going to do it right and i don't care how long it takes me that's why our narrative episodes come out so infrequently because they take anywhere from so far it's been three months to a year to do and there because there's a lot of moving parts there's a lot to it there's several phases of it the recording and the editing of it are the very end and uh, there's a lot of writing and research and i have licensed guides go over it with me and uh, make corrections and, and things like that um because there are people out there that are going to listen to it to find mistakes so right, and even right. and even still with all that extra help i still have mistakes in it i'm sure well i know i do I know I do. And, uh, and, and, and some of those are for various reasons, things that we didn't catch because, you know, they're human and they don't catch everything. And uh, it's sometimes it's also things that I had to do for the sake of time. Like I had to consolidate things. I know you were talking about how this all started with the idea of a film or video, but yeah. you ended up doing the podcast. But I do think there's more to podcasting than oh, just focusing on the audio is a little bit easier than doing a full film. Podcasting has its own benefits and uh, elements oh, separate absolutely. from filmmaking. And what would you say has podcasting changed the Civil War slash history storytelling world? How has podcasting affected that? Well, with all digital media, it's accessible to everybody. You can have anyone who's willing to put in the work go out there and do a podcast about just about anything that interests them. And, you know, if they can find an audience, it's very hard to do because the market is so saturated. It's just oversaturated. Like everybody's got a podcast. Right, right. And, um, and so that was another thing, you know, like I was like, everybody has a podcast. And at the time, nobody had a currently running Gettysburg podcast. So I said, all right, by the time this comes out, I may or may not be the first or the, the next one 
but I have to be the best one I can make. Not the best one out there, but the best one I can make. So I think it gives people, I hate, I hate this phrase, but it gives people a voice. You know, it gives people a chance to connect with other people about uh, subjects that they're interested in. And it also gives an audience the chance to find something interesting that uh, either they didn't even consider being interested in or something that they are interested in, they can go and find, you know, different, different things. So I think it does that. And I think the beauty of podcasting too is like a film, films are great. I mean, I'm a huge fan of films. Don't get me wrong. But uh, let's take the movie Gettysburg, for example. It is a certain person, the director, it is his vision and his idea of what it looked like put on screen and then burned into your brain. And if, you know, you're like me, you've seen the movie Gettysburg 680,000 times. Right. And so it's very hard. You read a actual history book about Longstreet to not picture Tom Berenger. It, it took, I remember it took me a long time to undo Tom Berenger in my head and see Longstreet when I would read about Longstreet and, and all the guys, you know, Chamberlain and everybody. So it puts an idea in your head. It puts a picture in your head and movies, films are not intended to be, or at least these types of films are not intended to be history lessons. They're entertainment. They're not going to get the history right. I was uh, I was talking uh, uh, last night. I did an interview with Darren and Mary from the uh, uh, Civil War Breakfast Club, and we were talking about this. And I was saying that when I, when I talk to people who listen to the show, and and you know they have a question or something like that, I can always tell the depth of their learning or research by the questions they ask and and usually it starts off with something like what do you think would have happened if longstreet had listened to hood and gone around to the right or or something like longstreet right. should have listened to hood to go around to the right and then i'm like okay this is a movie person so now this is the opportunity now you can go two ways you can get all pompous and arrogant and you can say oh, well that's what the movie tells us you know or you could be like well that's what the movie tells us but in reality here's what they don't tell you and then you can talk about the fifth core being on the way coming up behind the round tops and the sixth core is on its way from uh, uh maryland and they're going to get there soon and so if, if hood was able to go around the right a little bit and turn the flank he would have been flanked and perhaps if the fight was still going on when the sixth core arrived he might have been enveloped like almost almost double enveloped so in in podcasting so for like for example for my narrative episodes they're meant to be entertaining but i have an opportunity to actually get real history in there and i can do it much more easily than you can in a film so a podcast on the artistic level and the entertainment level is theater of the mind so you throw sound effects in, you throw the music in, they all serve a purpose. They're painting a picture, but they're only giving you a little bit of the details. And you have to go in now and you've got to actually put the visual to the sounds that you're hearing. And everybody's going to come up with a different visual. When I'm telling a little anecdote about something that happened in town when the Confederates invaded on June 26th, if you've only been here once, you'll have a very undetailed picture of what I'm talking about. Uh, when, when I mentioned where the candy store was and, you know, the little episode about the Confederates coming out of the candy store and, and one Confederate had his hat brimming with candy and he saw a little, uh, I think it was Charles McCurdy, don't get me, don't quote me on that, I can't remember at the moment, but saw this little boy like just kind of salivating, looking at this candy and, and, and in a moment of kindness, he let him take a handful, right? Now, you can probably picture a generic looking street in town if you haven't been here or if you've only been here once. 
But now for someone who lives here or someone who comes here a lot and they know exactly where I'm talking about, they have a fuller picture in their head. So everybody's going to have a different picture. And the person who, who is who is here a lot and knows the street, knows the area. He can picture where it is. And now when he walks down that street, it's like, wow, I've walked down here so many times and I didn't know that that little story happened right here on the sidewalk. The person who hasn't been here before can picture and he'll want to know where it was. He'll want to know more. And that's really my goal is to get people to want to know more, to want to do their own research. Search. Don't stop with us. Start with us, but go and get books. Go and get books. And don't watch that stupid 150th anniversary documentary that the History Channel did on the Battle of Gettysburg. <laughs> it's horrible. <laughs> well, absolutely. And I would also add, I think that podcasting adds a personal element to it because uh-huh. people listen to the podcast when they're going to work, when they're walking their dog, doing the dishes, whatever it is, yep. that calorie is right next to you during that event, during your day. So those poor people. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, even <laughs> I can say like, we've, we've messaged each other. But we haven't spoken to each other uh, on the phone. But I do feel like I've already met you through the podcast, you know, if that makes sense. I've already talked. Yeah, right. Exactly. So I think that's another plus side of podcasting. No, I I get that a lot. Well, and and that's also very weird because I'm not saying it's weird with you. I'm saying that I've had instances where – I'll give you here. I'll tell you a story. Uh, I was driving past the angle one day. So I met Atkinson out there in his uniform talking to somebody and it was like six o'clock and I'm like, what, what the hell is he doing still on duty? So I stop, I get out of the car, I walk over to say hi and, and I just stand there and listen to the conversation with the, the two guys that he was talking to. And then he pulled me into the conversation. So, some, somehow some reference was made to uh, Matt's uh, fame. The guy said something about, you know, well, how fame Matt is. And I said, oh, oh, he's uh, he's the Elvis of Gettysburg or something like that. And the guy looked, turned to me and he goes, well, I recognize your voice too. And I go, you do? And he's, he said, yeah. He goes, I can't place it, but I recognize it. And, and then Matt said, well, he does uh, the Addressing Gettysburg podcast. <laughs> and the guy... The guy goes, that's right, yeah. He goes, I love that podcast. I'm like, oh, geez, thanks. And I noticed while we were now, the three of us were engaged in full conversation and or fully engaged in conversation. And uh, I noticed off in the distance, there were two other guys just kind of like circling us, right? And looking over at us. And I'm like, oh, these are guys that, you know, more people that know Matt Atkinson. So eventually... Me and Matt we realized we were hungry. Matt was off duty at 6.30 now. And, and the, the guys, you know, he's a cool guy. He's sitting there talking to us. And so we said to Matt, um, or, or I, I said, well, you guys want to go get something to eat? So yeah, all right, we'll go get something to eat. So we start to go to our cars. And now we encounter these other two guys that are circling around. And one of them says, Mr. Atkinson. And Max says, yeah, hi, how are you doing? You know, and they start talking and everything like that. <laughs> and again, Another reference is made to Matt's fame. And the guy turns to me and he goes, well, I know you too. And I go, you do? And he's like, yeah, yeah. If I listen to your podcast and I follow you on Instagram. And I was like, oh, geez. And so that made me realize that I can't walk around anymore and act like an ass because I don't know who knows who I am. And it's happened several times now. Yeah. So it's happened several times now. And you know, for most people, podcasting is a hobby, but I'm, I'm trying to turn it into a business. I want people to come to Gettysburg. I want people, and I want, you know, we're, we're about to start uh, soliciting advertisers for um, 
our free content. And I want businesses to want to sell uh, or want us to sell them, I should say, um, because I want people to come here and visit. I want them to go to the battlefield and I want them to explore their battlefield and get in touch with it and all that stuff. But you can't be on the battlefield all day and all night. You got to eat. You, maybe you got kids and they're bored out of their minds on the battlefield. Right. So you got to do something with the kids. Well, what is there to do? So that's what I'm looking for with my advertisers is, you know, basically like our commercial breaks would sound like an itinerary for your vacation here. Yeah. So, you know, you got to, you got to start to now you got to like, okay, so this is, this is, and that's, what's weird about it is it's, it's not a hobby for me. And it's, um, you know, there's that weird element of, of people knowing who you are so far, so far, everybody's been nice. I think the people that know who I am that don't like me are kind enough to not say anything. <laughs> but but the, the nice people that do know me and like it uh, say stuff. And, it, and it, it makes me very uncomfortable sometimes because uh, we have one guy say, uh, he goes, man, during this quarantine, you guys meant the world to me. And I go, well, that's, that's a little much, you know, the world, but they mean it. And yeah, absolutely. whether or not, you know, it, it's deserved. Whether or not it's deserved, I don't know. But they definitely mean it. And you can't throw that back in people's faces, no matter how uncomfortable it makes you feel. Well, like you said, another cool thing about podcasting is you can support, you know, local businesses by advertising them. And like you said, making sort of a business out of it, helping Gettysburg get, uh, get on the map. Not that it's not already on the map. But um, how are there ways that schools and museums or even the National Park Service, how can they utilize podcasting in today's day and age? I think with everything that happened with COVID, as bad as it is, I think a lot of organizations have realized that they can't just rely on people to go to the battlefields or go to the museum. Still recommend that they go to those dead in the water. places. Right, exactly. I still recommend people yeah. go to the battlefield, but maybe this element of podcasting is a you know a thing people should consider. So I just uh, recorded a couple of days ago with uh, Chris Gwynn, who's the chief of interpretation and education here at uh, Gettysburg National Military Park. And a few weeks prior to that, I, I bumped into him at Sheets, which for those of you who don't know, that's like a local gas station uh, and food place like a Wawa or something like that. Anyway, I'm talking. I said, you need to come on the show again. And he said, yeah, whatever you want. And I said, well, I'd like to do a thing, a thing once a quarter. I want to update people on what you guys have going on. Because I get a lot of questions from people as if I know anything. You know, what's the Park Service doing this weekend? I don't know. Go to their website. I, like, I don't, I don't keep up on that <laughs> stuff. Um, but it's something that, so it's, a, it's real. I realize it's a service I could provide to my listeners, but also to the Park Service. Because you know, they're, they're not, um, they have an Instagram, but they're not always use, utilizing it. And they need to, because there are people who I see the comments, you know, people ask questions and it doesn't get an answer. And this isn't a criticism of them. It's hard to keep up on that. It literally is one person's full-time job. You need to have somebody on staff right, yeah. to do that full-time. Social media so, coordinator. Yeah. 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 And their, their Facebook game is very good though, especially since the quarantine, but like, you know, over the winter, they, they didn't have it in the budget to hire someone to do video for the uh, winter lecture series. So I said, well, uh, I will record the audio of all the lectures and I'll put them up on my, my feed so people can listen to them. And that was, uh, Chris said, very helpful to them. And, and it was very helpful to me because it got my numbers up a lot. 
because you know you're posting regularly and it's things people are interested in and looking for they were looking for it on youtube there was a guy there that would show up with his video camera once in a while and put him on youtube but it, there wasn't anything right what i was doing was the the consistent thing so I, i'm perfectly willing to let the park service here take advantage of, of my services because i believe in what they do i think they do a great job and i want people to see it and, and see the museum and, and go on the battle walks if they if we ever do them again and you know things like that but to more specifically answer your question uh, they this is something that i'd be willing to do for them too is if they had an idea for a podcast i would let them use my studio and my equipment and i'll produce it for them and and they can have that out there all even though that would be competition <laughs> but there is no competition that's what i'm saying is we we can all have our own thing and everybody can listen to them and still get something out of them you know? absolutely and as far as schools go and stuff i hear from teachers a lot that say that they play the narrative episodes or assign the narrative episodes to their kids and i haven't even gotten to the battle yet i'm just wrapping up editing on the, the episode that ends on june 30th so now we're getting up to the eve of battle so it's all stuff that starts back at uh, antietam and, and the way up to june 30th that's out there so far so and that really flatters me that they do that it also scares me too but <laughs> i guess you can't have flattery without some kind of fright right but that's fantastic that's fantastic but can you take us behind the scenes a little bit how do you gather this music sound effects voiceovers for these narrative episodes that are so popular well I, okay i start with the writing and i write just a basic outline but in narrative form though of what i remember of the story okay and then i go and i start to you know look things up and research it and then correct my errors or expand on them or, or whatever and then i have the whole thing written and, and and you know there's there's more to it than just writing information dates and times and people and things like that there i try to approach it in an artistic way so i'll give you an example in the second episode it's a three-parter part one ends after yule invests um winchester and then he sends jenkins cavalry up ahead uh, into maryland and pennsylvania ahead of uh, rhodes division and his goal is chambersburg and so I end it with, you know, I, I don't remember how I say it, but I end it with something saying, you know, Jenkins is on to Chambersburg or something like that. Part two begins with, now that's on June 15th. Part two begins with the first female voice we hear, Sarah Broadhead. And she started her diary on June 15th. And now we learn about the town Gettysburg and the people in it because they're going to play a part in the battle. So now we get to meet them. And there's not a lot of military stuff unless it pertains to the town. And there's a reason for that. And that is because as I was researching the March North, I was like, this, and I had a map in front of me, and I'm like, this is too much. Like, there's too much information. There's no visuals. So if I'm saying, you know, on this date, this core was here and that core was there and this core was over here. And, you know, it's just people are going to listen to it and they're going to go cross-eyed and they're going to like, forget this. I can't listen to this. So how do I make that time pass? How do I get the armies up to the area of Gettysburg, or at least, you know, in part to the area of Gettysburg, without going through all of the motions that they went through. And so I decided, well, Sarah kept a pretty good diary, and I'm going to use her and a couple of other townspeople's accounts of the things that happened throughout June. The news that they were getting, you know, the scares they were having, uh, Gordon's brigade coming into town on June 26th, you know, all, all of that stuff. And then I'm going to 
end that on June 26th, just before Gordon leaves or as they're leaving and, or, and you know, all the destruction that, you know, they destroyed the railroad bridge and cut the telegraph wires. And the last line of episode two is Gettysburg was now cut off from the outside world. So that's closing on Gettysburg for now. Part three begins, where are the armies now? So now we get back to the armies, Lot, lots going on. Hooker's gonna resign. Meade's going to take over, and Lee is getting Lee's army is getting closer to Gettysburg. Buford's discovering them. You know, all these things are happening. So now we're catching you up to speed, and we're going to get back to the armies because soon this battle is going to take place. So they got I got had to write it that way. So that took a long time to write because it was and it was all a lot of that stuff was new to me. I wasn't really interested in the townspeople beforehand. I wasn't really interested in the march north beforehand. So I had to learn all this stuff. So there was a little bit of a a lag there because it was all I, I got to learn it. I got to you know, internalize it and let it process in my head. And now I got to think of how do I tell it in an engaging way. So that's that. So then once I have that all written, we go through a couple of revisions. I Tim Smith look at it. I had Bob Steenster look at it. A couple of other people, they look at it. And then it's time to record. So uh, Shannon is uh, a, a, an actress who, she does the voice of Tilly Pierce, and she's also a trained actor. So I asked her if she would direct me as I read the narration, because it's very hard to direct yourself. So um, she basically gets on Skype, and I sit in my studio, and I read the script. She's got her version of the script. We go over it, you know, ahead of time, and, and we, you know, she'll make some notes, or I'll make some notes, and we'll ask some questions or whatever. But we'll go over it ahead of time, and she'll give me direction as I'm reading it and I'll mess up a lot. So the, the second episode took four hours to record and I did it wow. in one sitting. And then I went and listened to it and I realized my microphone was too hot and it was distorting at certain points. So we had to do it oh, all over again. <laughs> man. So then we did it all over again. And this time I was having a bit of an allergy attack. So my, I sounded very nasally. So we had to do it all over again, again. And so I think the third time was the charm and we recorded it and I finally had it. Now I got to go and I got to cut out all my mess up. So that four hours is chiseled down to about two, two hours and 20 minutes like that. So now that I have that, I have it all laid out and I start building the sound. And I have in the script what quotes I'm going to use and I have to find people to do them. Now, a lot of the quotes I knew way ahead of time I was going to use. So I had people record them a year ago. Billy Pierce was one of them. Sarah Broadhead was another. I plop in what I have and then I see what I need to get. And then I go and I find someone who can do these other things. Now, so like, for example, um, Patrick Gorman, who played General Hood in the movie, he plays General Hood in in show so he does hood quotes and so he's got a friend who is named john thurston and i follow him on instagram and i notice he posts a lot of pictures of himself smoking and so i go okay this guy's a smoker maybe he's got like kind of a gruff voice and he doesn't really but he can make one he can bring the gruff out so i asked him if he wanted to do buford and i said you know i kind of want I don't want you to do Sam Elliott, but think a little bit of Sam Elliott, but mix it with a little bit of John Wayne. And he's like, like it. okay. And so we had like a couple of phone calls and, and he get, you know, he would go and work on it and then he'd call me and he'd be like, all right, what do you think of this? And he'd be like, you know, I arrived in this town at 1030 or, you know, whatever that was. And I was like, okay, good. It, you know, it's a little too Sam Elliott. You know, I don't want to, but it's, it's enough. And, and part of that is because you got to tap into what people already have in their mind. And unfortunately, or fortunately, 
I don't know. We think of John Buford, we think of Sam Elliott, if we've seen the movie. So yeah. you want to do a little tip of the hat to that, right? So now we have that all, you know, we've got all the voice stuff plopped in, and now I got to go and build the soundscapes around it. And th I've got thousands of sound effects that I've cultivated from all over the place, and also that I've recorded myself, and or other people have recorded for me. Like I actually have, when you listen to any of the battle scenes and you hear the whizzing of a bullet, those are actual mini balls from the, uh, what is that, North-South Skirmish Association. I have a friend who's part of it, and he brought a couple of recorders down, and he got permission to put them down range. And so you can hear, <laughs> he did that with some artillery, too. So we've got, like, actual artillery firing live rounds and actual muskets firing and carbines firing live rounds. So when you hear that, it's close to what it would have sounded like. It's never going to sound like what it sounds like to the naked ear, but still. And then uh, the music. I've been very lucky with the music. Yari Villanueva, who's the director of the Federal City Brass Band, he, I contacted him and I said, I'd really like to use brass music. Would you give me permission to put it? And he was very kind enough to, to send me a couple of CDs. And so anytime you hear brass music, that's, that's the Federal City Brass Band playing. But then I also have friends who are bluegrass musicians and I, they, they came up here one time, they had a couple of gigs in the area and they asked if they could park their camper in my driveway. So I said, sure, of course. And while they were here, I took advantage of that and I brought my recorder into their camper and I had them play Oh Susanna and Dixie and, you know, uh, Johnny Comes Marching Home and these other songs. But the, the best thing about that was that she kept talking, Sarah kept talking to Danny, her boyfriend and musical partner, uh, about this song called Bear Waltz. She kept saying, Bear Waltz, Bear Waltz. And I'm like, well, what the hell is this Bear Waltz? So right. she says, oh, it's a song I wrote a couple of years ago. So would you play it for me? Play it for me. She goes, okay. So she plays like the first four notes of it. And I go, stop, stop, stop. I have to record that. That's my theme song. And I always wanted a theme song along the lines of a Shokin Farewell that Ken Burns has. Because again, I'm not doing anything original here. And the thing was, if I found a songwriter to go and write one, and I said, I want it to sound like this, he'll, it'll be too derivative and it will probably suck. But as I later found out, Sarah wrote that song when she and Danny broke up for a couple of weeks and she was missing him. So it's very sad sounding. It's a beautiful song. And um, it just happens to, to remind you of a show can farewell. So I said, that's my theme song. I finally got it. And that's when I knew I was meant to do this because I had this idea for a song and I'm like, oh, that's so hard to get. It's never going to happen. And then they just like kind of fell in my lap. And so most of the bluegrass music that you hear is them, but I also have uh, Dusty Lee Elmer, who I know from Instagram. He plays banjo, and so he recorded some for me. And uh, Cody Tinnen is another guy who plays banjo and uh, fiddle and stuff and guitar. And so he recorded Giant the Cavalry for me. Yeah, so that's that type of music. Oh, and then Pearl's, Pearl Shannon's uh, mother, Kelly, she plays guitar and mandolin and trumpet and flugelhorn and so we went out to Battlefield Ben and Breakfast where they were staying and, and they, they let us record in the barn, which was actually, you know, used as a hospital at one point. There's still holes in the floor where they drilled to drain the blood. And so we're recording these songs in a barn and that really cool barn echo in there. <laughs> you know, it just all kind of came together. You find that people, when they like what you do, they, they come out of the woodwork and offer to help. So I was lucky with that. The only thing I didn't have was a connection to fife and drummers. So I found a California Consolidated Drum Band on YouTube and in their descriptions, it says, feel free to use this, just please credit us. 
So I was like, all right. And so when you hear fife and drum, that's them. And so I put it all together and I listen to it over and over again. I'll, I'll go, you know, listen to it in my car. I'll listen to it on my own, try to, you know, get the mix right and everything. And I don't always succeed, but I, you know, cause everybody, this is the thing with pot, with, with audio is it depends on what you listen to it on. Like if you're not, if I'm not recording and editing and mixing on a professional studio, great equipment, it's never going to be perfect. And then if you're listening to it in your car stereo, but you're one of these people who likes loud thumping house music, your bass is going to be too high and you're going to think it sounds like crap because you don't know that you need to make everything right down the middle, middle bass, right, middle right. treble, and everything will be fine. Yeah. So, so that's it. It's, and that's why it takes so long because in a professional project, like a podcast like this or a film or whatever, there's entirely separate departments that do all those different things. And I, I have to be all of them. So yeah. it takes a long right. time to do. Well, going back to uh, what you were mentioning before about the research, you know, I do like to promote, you know, reading the resources and reading the books on my podcast. What sources do you use to gather that sort of information to find those primary sources? Well, so far, because I'm not trying to get too much into the weeds of the pre-battle stuff. I've basically just been using uh, Coddington, Fonts, well, not Fonts, uh, Trudeau. Oh, God, I have a whole bunch. Lee's Cavalrymen by uh, Stackpole. Stackpole. Oh, there's a whole bunch of books. There's a couple of books about the town. Edwin J. Stackpole. Fire, what is it? Yeah, Stackpole. yeah. Edwin J. Stackpole. Um, Firestorm at um, Days of Uncertainty and Dread. Those are two pretty good books about the civilian experience. Uh, a Stackpole also wrote a book about Chancellorsville that I used. Yeah, just like a lot of like general histories, not, not a lot of primary sources for the pre-battle stuff. But now that I'm getting into researching and writing day one, I'm going to be relying more heavily on first-person accounts. I want to try to find quotes that other people haven't used a lot, which might be difficult because the they probably have already found and used the best ones, but I'm going to try to find some other ones. Yeah, and and to get just the point A to point B to point C parts of the story, I'll read a Fonts or or uh, uh, Coddington or Tucker, and just to kind of get the flow of it, and then I'll go in and fill it in with other stuff and the quotes and all that other jazz. Well, what tips do you have for uh, people who want to have successful podcasts? Maybe not necessarily successful civil war podcast but podcasting in general i don't know if there's one way to do it and i know that's not what you're asking but i'll tell you what worked for me and and this was the long this was the long game so this might not work for you because you might not have the patience or the time but i started doing podcasting for fun purely for fun and liked it and like i said before learned how to record and how to sweeten the sound and all that jazz learn learn the technical side of it and all that other stuff listen to professional like if you're going to do an interview show listen to professional interviewers that you like and it's not wrong to uh in the beginning copy them so i think it was i think i'm gonna say it was mick jagger i i heard or read an interview with years ago and and he said you know and he's referring to singers he says we all start off imitating our idols but eventually you kind of get sick of it and you get comfortable in your own skin and then you come out and so if Mick Jagger can do it anybody can do it you know it's okay to, to mimic 
but at some point you have to start to emerge and you can still hold on to those those influences that you have because i think everybody does that even even your influences are copying someone so for me uh, i think the, the best interviewers out there were howard stern larry king and now nowadays joe rogan i think joe rogan is really good you just listen to them and you listen to what they and don't listen to exactly what they're saying but what is it that they're doing when they say it what are they trying to get out of the person they're interviewing there's nothing wrong with what i call the npr style which is prepared questions ask the question listen to the answer move on to the next question personally i prefer the discussion style where you you kind of are both talking because like you said before with the podcast you kind of feel like you know the person right so so there's nothing wrong with having a conversation where you know i i'll ask my my guest a question they'll give me an answer and i'll say oh yeah i did something like that once and then i tell a story and, and it's a back and forth and people like that that's okay but that that's that doesn't work for everybody anyway get that out of the do all that stuff. Now, if you have an idea for what your podcast is going to be, I strongly recommend you get a social media following first. So when we did Address in Gettysburg, we started the Instagram, I think it was March of 2018. The first episode of the show came out June 6, 2019. So we had over a year of building an audience and building rapport with that audience through Instagram. Now I had a couple of advantages. One was that it was about Gettysburg, which is something people are interested in. And two, I, it's proximity. I, I literally live on the battle. I live on the north end of town, right by the college. So, you know, the battle went right over this area. I can go out to any part of the battlefield at any time and I can do a live video and I can show people things of the battlefield. So do that. Don't rush. My number one, if I had to do it in a quick sentence, I would say do it right rather than do it quick. You get this idea, you're excited about it, you want to get to it right away. Don't do it right. Because, and especially if you do what I did and you build that social media following, when you have that first episode out, boom, you'll get a thousand listens right away. Because people were waiting for it for over a year. Yeah. So, you know, a lot of people that go, oh, we got this great idea for a podcast and do it. They start the Instagram a month before they release the first episode, they release the first episode, and then it's this slow crawl up to a thousand downloads. Oh, and if <clears> I <throat> actually, if I could add one thing to that. Sure. Learn how to use your audio equipment because they've actually done studies that show that people will put up with bad visuals, like if they're watching movies or something, but they can't put up with bad audio. And that same goes for podcasts. People cannot put up with bad audio. It doesn't matter how good your content is. If you sound like you're in a fishbowl or if you sound like you're underwater, you, it's not that you're going to get no listens because there are people that don't care, but you definitely turn off a good chunk of the people that would otherwise listen to you. And of course, I do have to ask this since we are the on the untold civil war podcast, but is there any element of the civil war, which remains relatively untold that you wish to share with our listeners? You know, I thought about this since we first spoke about me coming on and there's so much, and I frankly don't know what's untold or not. <laughs> you know what I mean? It is. It's tough. I would say um, <laughs> it is tough. I mean, I don't know how you do it. I mean, I guess I guess there's plenty of information out there that you could just find these interesting stories and stuff. But I mean, I would say re related to Gettysburg, at least, and this is for the benefit of the people new to it all. Buster Kilrain did not exist. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I would say there. Yeah, people people ask where he's buried. Um, I've often thought like if I, I could probably make a mint if I had a little piece of property and put up a old looking tombstone. Stone. It says Buster Kilrain 
on it and you know charge people five dollars a head to go see it oh forget it you make but that would be dishonest i know it would be dishonest and i might as well open a ghost store then if i was going to do that but um i would say that there's this one anecdote i like which i only recently heard and i'd never heard before and i probably read it once or twice but it just never really sunk in it was on a little round top or just uh on the north slope of Little Round Top, I believe, where the, uh, I believe it was the PA reserves and they're standing there in line and one of the soldiers finds a, a donkey or a mule and hops on it and rides up and down in front of the brigade imitating the general. And, you know, everybody's kind of, you know, maybe a couple chuckles coming out of the crowd. But then uh, the, the donkey, I think, throws him and runs off into the Confederate lines and then the whole brigade erupts in laughter. <laughs> And I just, I like that story because, you know, again, we're in the middle of one of the toughest battles and we still find time to laugh, you know, like, and, and it is, you know, they say laughter is the best medicine. And, and I think it's true. You listen to soldiers joking around with each other, listen to their sense of humor and it's rough. If they ever try to do that stuff at a comedy club, yeah. They would be canceled today if they ever, you know, if you ever right, heard right. soldier humor in public, they would be, they'd lose their job and everything. So I like the stories that are, that are humorous, but yeah, I mean, as far as like, I really was racking my brain trying to think of something that, and I know as soon as we, as soon as I put my head to sleep, down to sleep tonight, I'm going to remember one. Yeah. But of course, because well, I had would... to think of it for this interview, I couldn't think of anything. <laughs> you'll, you'll have like 10 <laughs> stories. <laughs> Uh-huh. Yeah, exactly. How do you, let me ask you now, let me turn the tables on you. How do you research and prepare your episodes? Oh man, it, you know, it's a lot of reading and it's it's just like what you said is like, you'll be doing some reading and you'll find like these little anecdotes. And you know, once you investigate that little anecdote and that little, you go down a rabbit hole and you find that every little anecdote has one expert out there who just all they do is study that. So, yeah, you know, I- yeah. You know, I find a story about Confederate regiment that has a camel mascot. And I think, wow, that's that's pretty mm. untold. And then I find Doug Baum, who that's his bread and butter right there. He studies camels <laughs> and he reenacts being the camel handler for this regiment. And so you'll always find somebody. Really? Who, yeah. Um, so you always find these like small stories and there's always some expert out there on that particular thing. And uh, really, I have to hand it to them. But yeah, it's just going down that rabbit hole. <laughs> so then, and, and w- when did you get the, the Civil War bug? Oh, man, that had to be, I mean, kind of what you mentioned, you know, being really little, watching the movie Gettysburg, you know, I, I mentioned it like sitting on my dad's lap as he read Grant's personal memoirs, you know, what a bedtime story, right? But, <laughs> but yeah. yeah, I think once that happened, I got the bug. And then, uh, you know, I've been studying the Civil War since then, off and on. And then finally, after listening to your podcast and other podcasts, I thought, you know, I have all this stuff that I've researched and I've got piles of paperwork all over the place. Wouldn't it be neat to just put it somewhere consolidated online for other people to see? Is that, is that true? You so. you decided to do that after listening to mine, among others? Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. I'd listened to several other podcasts right. before. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm flattered that I'm one of them. Yes, for sure. 100%. Well, and that's what I liked about yours when I listened to it was uh, there's a production value that i kind of relate to in it and so yeah so that's why that's why i like yours it's it's different and when i was in high school i always liked the idea of doing production i was you know a geeky theater kid for a while there um i loved production i i did like documentary film in high school as well but then you know once i went to college and got into the workforce kind of let go of that but it was always there kind of what you mentioned like 
it was always there itching the back yep. of your neck. You always want to do something creative. It's in you. And so podcasting was a great way to just sort of itch that itch, if you will. Yeah. And it's yeah, really it great. Is. It's a lot of fun. No, absolutely. Well, what is the it future is. for uh address? where do you live? Oh, sorry. Oh, sorry. <laughs> oh I live I live no, in New York I, I, City. Where, where do you live? Oh, I live in New York City, right? Oh, you do? Now. What? Like uh, in Manhattan? Uh I'm in Queens. All the same for people outside of New York. Oh, okay, cool. But <laughs> yeah. it's all Manhattan. It's no, all Manhattan. I, I I've been to Queens. Queens is a lot different than Manhattan. Uh it, it we actually have houses in Queens, which is different. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and there's a nice what is it, a botanical gardens? Yes, big, we have big we, park that yeah. We do, we do. We also have a small zoo, which I haven't been to, but people have been <laughs> That, yes, we do have a, a cemetery with a lot of Civil War veterans. It's a, a big thing I've been doing, trying to find those Civil War sites inside New York and trying to bring them to light. A lot of recruiting stations. Have you been to, uh, have you been to Greenwood Cemetery? I have. A lot of big names in that cemetery. Yeah, one of my Instagram followers, uh, named, her name is Marge. Um, she, she works there. She's a tour there. Oh, fantastic. And so when we would, yeah, we would do, during the shutdown, we started doing uh, like Zoom calls, you know, just to keep sane. Like a group of us would all just get on Zoom calls and get to know each other that way. And uh, Marge would come in and she would tell us these stories about the people who were buried there and, and their story. And it's very interesting. So I got to go there next time I'm in Brooklyn. Yeah, I, I definitely recommend it. Like, yeah, there are a lot of stories there. In fact, at the cemetery, and they finally put up a marker to General Marr for yes. uh, right next to his, I think his wife, right? His wife was buried there and they put a marker for him. I think him. that's right, yeah. And I actually took part in that ceremony. I have pictures during that ceremony. Oh, the unveiling of the monument and everything, which was a lot of fun. So I got to be part of that. That's awesome. It, it's weird. It's like New York City is not Tennessee or Virginia where there's all the battles, but you still find Civil War history even up here. So it's pretty cool. Oh, yeah. Um, oh, yeah. Oh, it's yeah. all over. And, but of course, I know you mentioned film. I know you're doing podcasting now, but is there going to be a film at the end of this maybe? A book maybe? What is the future of the podcast? The idea of a book has crossed my mind. Um, and maybe when I'm done with all the scripts, I'll go back and revise it for a book. But also film, we've been talking about film. The, the immediate future, once we have our studio up, is we're going to start doing live shows on Facebook and YouTube. I don't know what I'm calling it yet, but it's basically going to be live show about what is going on in Gettysburg today. Um, you know, we'll, we'll have on business owners and other other people in the town who, who make it an interesting place to come and visit. Um, there's a lot of really cool businesses. There are a lot of neat events that go on right under the nose of the tourists. You know, while they're here for battle stuff, there's other stuff going on. Um, like Apple Harvest Festival is a really big one. And there's a bluegrass festival. And that, I think that's twice a year, actually. You know, so there's a lot of cool things that go on here. Here. And I just don't know if the word is getting out effectively enough. So I want to do my part of that. I don't, you know, I'm not, you know, once, once going in the old days when Johnny Carson was on and, you know, you were a comedian, if you went on the Tonight Show, that was a big break for you. It's, I'm not thinking it's going to be anything like that, but it'll help. There, there'll be, you know, it'll help in some way. And, yeah. and, and then it's already worked. I mean, you told me that you've got listeners from the promos that uh, people hear. And I know I was talking to Dave Wilson, who uh, runs Victorian Photography Studio, and he said that he's got a bunch of uh, business, not, not a bunch of business, but a, a good handful of people uh, that came to him after hearing the promos on the show. So I, I know that we have a responsive audience. I know we have a great audience because they love Gettysburg and they, especially since the shutdown, they, they're so afraid that the things they love won't be here when all this is over. 
if it's mm -hmm. ever over. And so they're very willing to spend their money from afar if they have to and if it's possible. Like I know there's there's the Plowman's Cider House or Tap Room. I was doing a live video just driving around town one day and he came in, Ben, uh, the guy who runs it, and uh, I've he said something in the comments and acknowledged him. And I said, Oh, by the way, if you love cider, you know, you got to go to Plowman's. It's great. And then like an, less than a half an hour or so after I finished that video, one of my followers sent me a message and she said, I forgot what the name of your favorite cider was from Plowman's. So I just ordered a bunch of them. And she's in Miami. <laughs> and so she ordered like $75 worth of cider um, to be sent to Miami for her to try. So they, and I, you know, I was saying, if you're ever in town, I didn't even know that you could order. Right. So, so, you know, those, they're, they're willing to spend the money. They love it here. They love the businesses here and they want to see everybody survive. So I think if I can, if I can, this, um, it, it could be good for them, you know? And the, the, the trick of podcasts though, is that it's, it's a long game. It's not like radio. You, you play a 30 second spot this afternoon and a flood of business comes in. Yeah. You know, because everybody doesn't listen at the same time. And what runs on, on my show that comes out tomorrow, let's say, might not get any traction until people start listening to it in December. Right. Because people listen that way. They binge. They listen you know, back. So anyway, so yeah. But as far as the ultimate future, I would like to turn the narratives uh, into a documentary, a visual documentary. So basically put pictures to the sounds and then add talking heads like guides and rangers and historians. So eventually I'd like to do that. But we have to get to we've got to get more patrons it, video is easy to do now want to again I don't, I don't want to do it for the sake of well and i want to do it right and i want to do it better take time how about you go ahead plug yourself how can people find you uh and get access to the addressing gettysburg podcast uh, you can uh, follow us on Instagram and Facebook at, at Dressing Gettysburg. Um, the podcast is found anywhere that you can find a podcast. So Apple, uh, Stitcher, Spotify, and even these other podca podcast platforms I've never heard of, but my hosting service offers links to. So I put them out there as well. I think even Amazon, uh, if it's Audible or Amazon Music, but uh, there's that's going to be a coming out soon i think sometime this fall they're going to do it and so i'm I'm hooked up to be on that once that's available i've even heard that people can pull us up on alexa so i mean really anywhere that you can find a podcast we're there we even we're even on youtube even though we don't really push our youtube channel all of the episodes get blasted out to youtube as well and and there's just a still shot with uh the audio on there so there's no video or anything yet but but yeah so that's, uh, that's basically it. And also, if um, I always say this on on my show, if you uh, if you listen to the show and you like any of the licensed guides that we use, um, you can send me an email at matt at addressinggettysburg.com and I will uh, I'll set you up with them and you can organize a tour. We're going to be offering a tour services this fall as well. We're gonna you'll be able to go and book a tour online with a guide and. Awesome. Uh, Awesome. on our website. I think guiding is very important. It's a unique thing that we have here at Gettysburg, the, the licensed guide program. And I really, I tell people all the time, if, if you come here and you haven't taken a guide your first six times coming here, at least, then you're not doing it right. Don't be one of these cowboys that think you can go out there and figure it out for yourself with the map <laughs> that the park service gives you. You're not going to do it. Get a guide. You'll be doing yourself a favor. Absolutely. Absolutely. But you can also get other content on Patreon, right? Exclusive content on Patreon, right? Yeah. Oh, of course. Yeah. That's how we uh, support 
doing everything that we do, um, you know, or in part at least. It's it's right now we're at 109. We just had our 109th patron today, so we're at 109 patrons. Awesome, um, that's fantastic. You can pay anywhere between a dollar. Yeah, I, oh, I, I'm very flattered and surprised, frankly. Um, like I had a bet when we started the Patreon. One of my listeners and, and I were getting a beer and, and he's like you got to do this patreon stuff he's like I, i'll give you money and i go yeah but you and like four other people you know that's not you know like five people being patrons isn't really going to be enough to do what i need to do he's like you're going to get more than five people I go, no i don't really think so so he's like i'll bet you a beer you're going to get more than five people and i said okay you're on so when i launched pay, launched patreon we had six on our first day and 12 and that was in December, and now we're up to 109. So I own a beer next time he comes to town. <laughs> um, but yeah, the Patreon stuff is named by the very, um, what's the word I'm looking for here? Kurt name of the school for people who are interested in Gettysburg. And we do interviews. This is more of a Joe Rogan style show where we do interviews with uh, historians like Dr. Peter Carmichael has been on and Dr. Jill Titus and Dr. Ashley Whitehead Lusky, all from the Civil War Institute here at uh, Gettysburg College. We've had some uh, rangers on like Chris Gwynn and um, John Hoptak. Matt Atkinson even sat in as a guest co-host once. Cody Aish is on a lot. People love Cody Aish. We love having him on. Uh, so, you know, we, we get the very interesting people, authors, um, historians, rangers, guides, and we talk about very specific things. So, you know, if you listen to the Ask a Guide episodes, those are listener driven. So we have listener questions and, about a specific subject. And in the off season, we kind of do them on random subjects. So it'll every question will be about something different. Uh, but the Patreon stuff is about a very specific subject. And then we just stay on that the whole time. Like for example, the March North was one of them or uh, the uh, Blue and Gray reunion of uh, 1869 or the 75th reunion, anniversary reunion in 1938. I've actually had uh, Cody Aish and I have uh, John Hopkins yeah. back scheduled for later this month, actually. So pretty cool, that small circle of uh, Civil War fans, you know. <laughs> awesome. We pretty much covered all the questions that I see. This is a lot of fun. And I uh, yeah, hope we can do it again. Me. Hopefully we'll do it in Gettysburg in person. I would love that. And listen, anytime you come down to Gettysburg, if you need the use of the studio, even if it's to record your own show, uh, you're welcome to use mine. I really appreciate that. Thank you so much. You're very welcome. Thank you for having All me right. on. You have a good night. Thank you so much. I hope you enjoyed that episode while you poured yourself a scotch, tucked yourself into bed, playing cards in the trenches of Petersburg, breaking a tooth on some hardtack, or whenever you listen to podcasts. Thank you to Craig Duncan for providing the music. I hope you all check out the Instagram, Facebook, and especially the new YouTube channel. Be safe, and please tune in next time.